So we are still uh, uh, looking at the book of Proverbs in the sermon series entitled Wise Up. And we're learning how to make wise decisions so that we can use our intellect and our knowledge in practical ways. And the guiding principle in all of this is that Proverbs and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs enables us to get life together and keep it together. And I think that's a great struggle that we find across our nation today. That we see so many people who do not have their life together. You know it. You see it as well as I do. So we're looking at the book of Proverbs that will enable us to get life together and keep it together. I want to share with you the story of one man who experienced that. You might be familiar with him. I, I had not heard of him until I was doing my research this week. But a man by the name of Stephen K. Scott graduated from the business college at Arizona State University with a degree in marketing. During the next five years, he failed at eight jobs, and his income never reached half the average of American uh, wage earners. After losing his fifth job, he was unemployed and penniless. Stephen Scott asked the wisest man that he knew, Gary Smalley, who was a great man on advising about different things like that, and what he could do to stop failing and start succeeding. And what Gary Smalley told him to do is what I suggested to you we began this series. He said, if you would read through the book of Proverbs, read a chapter in Proverbs every day and do that for two years, you will probably be wiser than any of the men you worked under. And chances are in five years you will be a millionaire. So Stephen Scott did that. He accepted the challenge. And over the next 18 months, he discovered all kinds of laws of life and principles and strategies from the book of Proverbs. He went through jobs 6, 7, and 8. And then on job number 9, he applied those strategies. And he took a company that annual sales had been $30 million to $60 million. Stephen K. Scott is the co-founder of such successful businesses and companies as Max International the American Telecast Telecast Corporation, and Total Gym Fitness. After failing at nearly a dozen jobs, he began reading a chapter of Proverbs a day, and the wisdom and scripture changed his life. I think we've got some pictures of some of the books that that he has written. Uh, Mentored by a Millionaire, um, The Richest Man Who Ever Lived, Uh, Jesus' Mission. I, I don't have any of these books, but they're on order. After I read through this, they are our own order. And then uh, the greatest words ever spoken. Now, he has a website called ProverbsPower.com. And on that, he mentors people uh, dealing with these same issues in their business life, personal life, and spiritual life. Now, I'm sure you are all wowed by the fact that he is a millionaire, multimillionaire, and everybody in the company is. And you would like to do that. But I want you to focus on something else. And that is that his reading through the book of Proverbs repeatedly and finding and claiming and practicing the principles of wisdom there enabled him to put his life together and keep it together. His personal life, his work life, his marriage, his relationships with other people and friendship enabled him to get his priorities straight in life. And that is the foundational principle of this sermon series. And that is that we're enabled through the wisdom of Proverbs to get life together and keep it together. Now I want you to look with me at Proverbs chapter 4 beginning at verse 23. We'll read through 27. This is the guiding passage of scripture for today that enables us if we follow these principles here 
to be able to be more of a person following after God's plan and purpose and seeking his kingdom life. So we're in Proverbs chapter 4 beginning in verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Probably familiar with that verse. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Now there are four specific actions that this passage of Proverbs tells us to do so that we can be wise and so that we can put our life together and keep it together as we pursue the kingdom of God. The first is to guard your heart. Verse 23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. King James Version says, keep thy heart with all diligence. That means you really work at keeping your heart with all diligence. Now, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's generally referring to that innermost part of life. It's the decision-making center, the source of motives, and the seat of all passions and the center of our conscience. It's truly the place where life makes up its minds in our heart. And in the Old Testament, the heart is used more than 800 times, but more than 200 times it deals with the thought life, the emotions, the wellsprings of life, and those things that motivate and mold us. So the Bible calls that your heart. And your thoughts lead to attitudes, your attitudes lead to actions, and your actions lead to achievement. So what does Solomon mean when he says guard your heart? He's talking about that part of you that defines you more than anything else can define you. He's talking about the deepest part of who you are. Where you deal with the questions like what drives you? What motivates you? What do you really want from life? And what can you really realistically expect? From yourself. See, that's the part that Solomon calls your heart, and he's telling us to guard it. Have you ever heard the phrase that what the heart wants, what the heart, to say the heart wants what the heart wants? The heart wants what the heart wants. Somebody says it's attributed back as far back as the poet Emily Dickinson. But it's talking about the fact that our heart must want the right things. And to do that, we have to guard our heart. Because we will subconsciously inevitably move in the direction that we're most inclined to claim. That's why we have to be careful about what we want more than anything else in life. Some of you maybe claim uh, Psalm 37, 4 that says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that you can ask something from God and he's going to give you everything that you want. Millions of dollars and all of that. But what does that verse promise? It promises that not only will God give you the good things that your heart desires, but he will give your heart the right kind of desire. When you delight yourself in the Lord, then your heart desires the right things. Jesus said that we should seek the kingdom of God first, and that should be the desire of our heart. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, that's why we should want 
to want the kingdom of God above anything else in our life. And then when we desire that and we, we, we seek after that with all that we are and all our diligence, then we begin to think about the other things in life that help us become full and well-rounded and mature in life. When we put God first, then you can learn to say things like, I want to want to love my wife as Christ loves the church. Or you can say, I want to want to manage my money well. Or I want to want to bring glory to God where I work. And the last one I would say is you simply say, I want to want, and you fill in the blank. Whatever is a great desire of your heart for the glory of God. Now that's really talking about our meaning and our purpose in life that we're putting the kingdom of God first. Now, I got thinking about the, the, the Egyptian pyramids. I think we got a picture of that. Uh, the Egyptian pyramids, uh, they're one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Uh, the ruins of about 35 of them, I think, are still standing. The greatest one was built about 2500 B.C. for a king. And they are a construction miracle. The Great Pyramid was originally 481 feet high. Its base covered 13 acres, consisted of more than 2 million stone blocks, each weighing an average of 2.5 tons. And the workers who did this, sometimes 100,000 men at the time, did that without cranes and backhoes and heavy equipment. They did it without the proper tools that we have for today, and maybe it took 30 years to build. And it was a marvel that they were able to accomplish all that. But the real thing about these pyramids is it, it really was completely pointless. They were built only as a burial chamber for a king, thinking that they put the right things in with the king when he was buried, such as a bunch of gold and some treasures and maybe food for the other world, then that he would have life everlasting. The one thing I think that the, do, the pyramids do teach us is to demonstrate the power of perseverance if we put our heart to things. But when we look at the things in life, sometimes we claim that we want so many things in life. Boil it down to say, I want to want the kingdom of God first in my life. So guard your heart so that you do not lose what you really desire. The second thing Proverbs says then is watch your mouth. Verse 24 says, put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Now, surely we should keep a clean language. But Solomon is talking more than about the fact that you're not supposed to cuss. He's talking about refusing to say anything that diminishes the value of God's work in your life. Such as, well, this situation isn't ever going to work out because nothing ever works out for me. Or saying, well, I guess I'll have to work out this problem on my own without any help from God because I, I, just, I just don't feel God's closeness and presence in my life. Or when you ridicule and criticize and demean other people, that's perverse talk. That's corrupt speech. And when you spread gossip, that's perverse talk and corrupt speech. We all need to be aware of what comes out of our mouth because it affects who we are. That's what Jesus said in Luke 6, 45. The good man brings good things out of the, the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. See, it's my observation that the heart 
and the mouth tend to reflect one another. What's in your heart, that's why we're told first to guard our heart. What's in our heart then controls our mouth. They work together in tandem. Now, Proverbs has more to say about the tongue perhaps than any other thing, our speech, than any other thing. We've got some scripture verses you see in your outline if you're following that on the bulletin. I think we've got, got them up here on the screen as well. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 12.22 uh, says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. Proverbs 19.22 what a man desires is unfailing love. Better to be poor than a liar. That's pretty strong. Proverbs 26, 23 says, Like a coating of glaze over earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. Some of these you've got to dig a little bit, maybe with a study Bible to understand them more completely. Proverbs 18, 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. See, the tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs 10, 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. And Proverbs 18, 4, The words of a man's mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. And in your outline, in your bulletin, you have Proverbs 25, 4. That's incorrect. I did that. I got my numbers mixed up. That should be 424 that comes straight out of our scripture today. About the perverse words should not come out of your mouth. Isn't it interesting when you hear these words? That people thousands of years ago dealt with the same issues in life and the problems in life and sometimes approached them the same way that we do by saying words that aren't, aren't right. They, they talked about foolish ways and talked about foolish things. They gossiped. They lied. They, they, they were negative in their comments and all of that. That's why maybe you want to claim Proverbs ten nineteen that says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Sometimes that's the best advice. Right? All right. Third thing. Fix your eyes. Verse 25 says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. See, his advice there is to be visioned focused. Be vision focused. What, what, what's the vision of your life? Well, for all of us, it ought to be the kingdom of God. And then whatever else, God narrows down into our life from the general to the particular. You've got to focus on your goal and not the obstacle. Look at where you want to be, not where you were. Focus on your goal, not the, uh, not the uh, obstacles. Forget the failures. Learn the lessons from the past, but forget the failures. Remember the lessons learned, but forget the failures. Now, when you focus your vision, you will determine your destiny. I love what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3. Brothers, I do not... Consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, if you turn your attention to what lies before you and fix your eyes on where God is leading you, and you have to put him first in your life and seek the kingdom of God first for him to do that in your life, 
But if you fix your eyes then on where God is leading you, then your life will become more than what he meant it to be. So we've got to fix our eyes. Fix them on Jesus. The writer of Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And when we do that, he will guide us forward. Then the last thing he says is number four, that is point your feet. He says make level paths for your feet and take only the ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. King James once again says ponder the path of thy feet. Think about it. Ponder the path of your feet. In other words, think about where you're going. Think about the steps you're taking. And then map out a plan that will take you where you want to go. Last week we looked at the great words of wisdom in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will do what? Make your paths straight. See, God promises that when we focus on him through Jesus Christ, he makes our path straight. When we're walking the path God wants us to walk, when we're in relationship with him, he makes our path straight. I was having something interesting about nuclear submarines this week. They consist of some of the most amazing technology of the planet. We go from the pyramids built in such a great way thousands and thousands of years ago till we look forward to, to, to nuclear submarines. They're such incredible vessels that what I read said they can stay underwater for 90 days at a time. But because they carry weapons of mass destruction, they have to surface at least every 90 days and, and to maintain proper alignment with the North Star. Isn't that something? They have to maintain uh, the proper alignment with the North Star. I think that is some kind of example for us because the nuclear submarine provides an excellent picture of the heart. Just as the submarine might have all kinds of physical provisions like food, water, or fuel to survive, it cannot perform at its highest level or complete its mission without maintaining proper alignment. And that proper alignment is with God first, seeking first the kingdom of God. So if you want to be successful in life, if you want to live for the glory of God and seek the kingdom of life, here's wisdom for your heart. First of all, guard your heart. Know what you really want to want. Make sure of that. Watch your mouth. Don't say negative things. Don't be despondent when you say negative things. Don't gossip. Don't lie. Third, fix your eyes. Focus on the future. And then point your feet in the direction that God leads you and guides you. And when you do those things with faith, trusting in God's leadership, you will be successful. You might not be a millionaire, but more importantly, you will be successful in life for the glory of God. So that's the wisdom from the heart for today. Let's pray. Father. We thank you once again for this wonderful, wonderful book you've given to us of Proverbs, filled with all the knowledge and wisdom that we might need. 
Help us to take the knowledge and intellect we have through the guidance of the book of Proverbs and learn to live wisely for your glory. Father, if there's anyone here who has not acknowledged their need of Jesus Christ as the forgiver of sins and the leader of their life, may they come forward today and make that decision as they repent of their sin, confess their sins, and turn from their sins and trust you. Father, for those of us who know you, who are in relationship with you, may we continue to seek first your kingdom. May we focus our eyes on your kingdom. May we be led by your spirit. May we want to want the kingdom of God more than anything else in our life. And Father, we pray for the power and faith to do that through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.